Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Welcome back to PR360. Steve Rohr is a Hollywood publicist, media expert, and author. He served as the show publicist for the Academy Awards from 2015 to 2019, spearheading the worldwide publicity for the telecast, which aired live in 225 countries and territories. He's also the founder and president of Lexicon Public Relations, a boutique entertainment firm representing award-winning actors and recording artists. As a communications expert, he's co-author of Scared Speechless, Nine Ways to Overcome Your Fears and Captivate Your Audience, and teaches courses in public relations at my alma mater, Cal State Long Beach, amongst other institutions. So, Steve, this is a lot here, but is there anything I've missed that you want our audience to know? Well, I think we're finished. That's awesome. Thanks. It was great. I I felt like the interview just sped by so quickly i hope i gave you what what uh, you were hoping to get out of that but uh you know just hearing that you think well who is this person no it's a it's it's a it feels like your life flashing before you you know the intros also work as an obituary at some point well excellent but that's great to know so that's a double double duty on that well thank you todd so I, you know, this is a PR podcast and essentially PR, you know, people listen to this show. And when you're talking about running PR for the Oscars, what is that like? That seems to me like a military operation where you have, you know, foot soldiers and generals and, you know, just waiting for anything to pop off at any minute. What's the groundwork look like for that? It's what you'd imagine it to be, I would okay. say. You know, it's the second largest live event in the United States after a presidential inauguration. It's a massive undertaking. You have all of these mucky mucks and uh, famous people and Mm. potentates and press showing up to one spot on one day Mm. to celebrate themselves (laughs) (laughs) in the best possible way and celebrate film course and it is a a huge planning process yeah it's all about teamwork it's all about teamwork it has to be about teamwork and at the academy at the working at the oscars you know it was a huge privilege because you work with the very best of the best these are Mm -hmm. these are people who are really the top of their game and don't make mistakes right one of, the, one of the things I loved about working at the Academy was if I asked somebody to help me with something, like say, oh, well, you know, I have this I have this outlet. They're showing up at 2 p.m. on the red carpet. They want to do, you know, a live shot. And I pass it off to somebody. I knew that it would be done. Wow. I knew it would be handled. Not only that, it would be handled in a way that was above and beyond. Oh, Just that's above good. and beyond. I, I always knew that. And that is such a pleasure because oh, yeah. there's so much coming in that you can't you can't possibly be mm. thinking about that two o'clock when you're thinking about the two fifteen and the three o'clock and the four o'clock and 
Of course, it's around the clock because it is a global event. So you have you have press from all of the world doing live shots at eight o'clock their time, wherever wherever their time is. And and imagine that confidence with your staff gives you the ability to then excel in your job, right? You you have a little more brain to put towards what you're doing because you're not worried and, and, and concerned the whole time. Absolutely. That's, mm. that's a huge part of it and was so helpful. I was also working with people who were able to mentor me and help me yeah. immediately help. It wasn't a situation where you walk in and, oh, good luck, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. There were people who wanted you to succeed, who wanted you to rise to a level of excellence. And believe me, it, it, it forces you to become something greater than yourself yeah. because you understand the, the gravity of it. You also don't want to let people down and you, you, you want to do the best job you can. Yeah. How does one create that culture? You know, I think it's top down. I think it is, yeah. you know, great managers or administration who instill that kind of uh, ability to to do that kind of work in that kind of way. One of the things that I really appreciated was the brainstorming sessions and people were not punished. You know, when you get in a brainstorming session and if you say something, everybody kind of looks at you like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. They might speak it. Right. But it it didn't even matter what your, what your rank was. So if you had somebody who was an assistant assistant, their, contribution was valued just as yeah. much as a, a VP or a director, managing director, because it was a brainstorming session. Now, not all ideas were taken, yeah. but you were never punished for that, which I thought was just absolutely excellent and unfortunately all too rare. Yeah. You know, especially in, in the world of, you know, media and communications where sometimes the obvious answer is the wrong answer, and sometimes something counterintuitive is very powerful uh, and, and, and helpful in a situation. And uh, uh, funny enough, so as someone, you've written a book on you know public speaking and also are closely affiliated with the Oscars. I just thought a fun question would be uh, to hear your take on if you're winning an Oscar or you know would recommend to a client how do you know you have the world at your fingertips for 45 seconds maybe 30 if they play off depending um what do you say in that moment or what's the most effective angle to take in that speech well you know it is it's a global stage and it's a lot of pressure and these folks are really tired by the time they get to that stage because they've been oh. campaigning for months and months and months and months giving interviews and shaking hands and doing everything they needed to do and that is not the time to wing it. <laughs> no, it's the worst time. Right? They probably had a couple so of a drinks, lot of people right? might yeah. say it's, it's superstitious to plan something. I absolutely believe you should plan something. <laughs> you, you don't have to write it out word for word, but hey, you know what? Do yourself a favor, create an outline. So when you create your outline, make sure you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Beginning, middle, and end. Very, very important. I don't like lists. I think lists are terrible when you start listing off every single name, every single person you've ever met on the subway or, you know, the grocery store that morning or, you know, 
lists are bad and lists are bad because you will forget someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and people have forgotten their husbands and wives. And so that car ride home is tough. Yeah. It's a little it's tough. It's a world of pain. And the, the other part to that story is people at home don't know who these people are. Yeah. You know, you have millions and millions of people watching who, who don't know the agents, don't know the publicists, don't know these, these folks. This is not the time to necessarily pull out every name because it's boring. Yeah. Tell a story. Yeah. Tell a story that we can relate to. Tell a story about your grandmother or tell a story about your acting teacher or talk about something that's important to you. And uh, Viola Davis did this in 2015 mm -hmm. when she won for actress in a leading role for drama, the Emmys. And she won for How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah. And she was the very first African-American black woman to win in that category. And her opening line before anything else was a quote from Harriet Tubman. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Harriet Tubman. It was so grand. It was so powerful. It was so arresting and captivating. Yeah. And then for a minute and a half, she talked. And then the very end, she wrapped it up. She bookended it with that Harriet Tubman quote. Yeah. It was immensely powerful. It was incredible. And it's memorable. And that's what people want. They want something they can talk about. Yeah, you know, it, all that, and then to look at it cynically from like a PR way, it's like also really on brand, right? Yes, like absolutely. Re reinforcing yeah. the value that this person brings. That's right. You know, like Jennifer Coolidge comes to mind, right, Todd, when you think about oh, on yeah. brand. Yeah. So she won a, a slew of awards at the beginning of the year, and every time she got up, she was freaking hilarious. And right. it, she was totally on brand. This was not like a surprising person up there. It was Jennifer Coolidge who is sort of wandering around, and it felt like maybe she was making it up along the way. And yeah. I don't know if she was or wasn't, but it was absolutely on brand for her. And it endeared her to her fans and also, I think, brought new fans into her world as well, for sure. Yeah, it, people love, you know, people love genuine, you know, you can't, it's, Absolutely. it's yes. gold, right? It's hard to, hard, yes. hard to come by in this world. Be authentic, be authentic. Yeah, I would, you know, this, this goes against, I would go up and I have, I have a list of my haters from, you know, my whole <laughs> life and I was like, starting in preschool, here's everybody yeah. who didn't believe me, yeah. believe in me. Exactly. You know? Well, screw you. Yeah. Look at me now. That's Look right. at me now. That's right. Look what I'm holding. Here's a list of people who owe me money. No, um, That's right. so as, as the author of Scared Speechless, where you talk about you know public speaking techniques and how people who are afraid of public speaking to be able to get out there and uh, wow people, what are some speeches that have really moved you that you've thought, man, that person just rhetorically hit it out of the park that you've seen? Well, there are certain speakers that come to mind for sure, the Obamas. Yeah. They're wonderful speakers. Mm -hmm. Their their styles are very different. The former first lady Michelle Obama is very different from the former president, but they have a kind of charisma mm -hmm. that's very difficult to mimic or to make up or conjure up or contrive. It is just a very authentic way of presenting themselves. There was a speech in eighty seven. Okay. 1987. If your listeners are <laughs> wondering where I'm going with this, I know it's Civil War time, actually. <laughs> 1987, there was a woman named Ann Richards 
and right. she was Texas. treasurer of Texas. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. State treasurer, first uh, statewide elected official female. And she gave a speech at the Democratic National Convention, I believe in Atlanta. No one knew who this woman was. If you were to look at a picture of her, you thought she was just, you know, this gray-haired lady in a nice suit. Well, within 45 seconds, this woman had everyone in the room spellbound. And rhetorically, she was able to do that because she understood her audience. She understood how to reach and recruit people in her audience onto her side, saying, look, I'm with you. So if you go and listen to the first 45 seconds and you, you go line by line, line by line, she's pulling in different segments of a very diverse crowd and she's hilarious and she's self-deprecating. And then she became the governor of Texas and put her on the national stage for sure. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Buenas noches, mis amigos. I'm delighted to be here with you this evening because after listening to George Bush all these years, I figured you needed to know what a real Texas accent sounds like. Yeah, I do. I I do think I think I remember actually being in communications at Cal State Long Beach and a teacher who was a former Bush speechwriter. It was very interesting. We had a class in the um, the one of the teachers was a former like Republican speechwriter, and the other one was very kind of liberal. And they both went back and forth about politics and everything. Oh, that's great! And it was a great class. And they went in and they went. They did different speeches. And I do remember that being one that was taught was the um, was the Ann Richardson. Well, I think it's considered one of the finest speeches of of our modern times. It, yeah. it, and there is a reason why. The other thing is because she's from Texas, she has an accent, and she really was able to play on that and and bring in a lot of different elements based on being from the South. Yeah. And uh, it was tremendous, absolutely tremendous speech. Yeah. So as someone who teaches over at, at Long Beach State and have taught as uh, many different schools, I'm interested – now, I'm, I'm a member of Gen X – you are you are also a member of Gen X, Steve. It appears. Yes. Yes. And I would, you know, every generation has their unique communication styles, and you see a lot of students, probably a lot of kids that are Gen Z, most likely Gen Z or very young millennials, come in. And as as a Gen Xer, uh, I've really had to train myself not to throw the word like in a sentence seventeen <laughs> times in a row, or get yeah. get yeah. caught in the like feedback loop, like 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 yeah. like. Like like well, um, awesome, awesome. I say awesome. Yes. I still say awesome. Because it's awesome. Much. It yeah. is, yeah. And like a lot, yes. It it just dates us, you know. Uh, <laughs> but so for the for the, the young kids right now, uh what do they need help with? Or what are these kind of communications crutches they have that stand out? Well, I, w- I would say I love the that generation because they have a sense of themselves or they're trying to discover a sense of themselves and not giving a damn really about being judged 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in our day, we wouldn't. You were like, oh, please, you know, I want to fit in. They want to fit in, but not in the same way. I, I think that we wanted to fit in. One thing that I, I would, I would say to that generation is, make sure they can code switch. And by that, you know, we code switch all day long, Todd, we do. So yeah. I don't, I didn't talk to my grandmother like I talked to my buddies. Right. If I did, that would be weird and I'd be in trouble in some kind of way. Yeah. We, we code switch all the time. Going to the market, we talk to the cashier differently than we talk to an auntie, a favorite auntie. Okay. So code switching is saying, okay, you're from this generation. But you also, you, when, when you're speaking with somebody from another generation, it might behoove you to be able to speak that, their language too, how, being a, a bit fluent in how they communicate. One of the things that always kind of gets me, and this is not the most recent generation, but the upspeak, everything ends oh, in a question. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the valley talk. Not everything is a question. Yeah. Oh, is it a question? Is it a question? You know, not everything is a question. <laughs> yeah. I went to the market. I went, I drove the car. Did you drive the car or not? Just tell me, <laughs> did you drive it or not? Like, what did you do? Okay. And yes. This is I, yes. particularly bad for females, I think, because it puts them in a position where they are now questioned. She's oh, yeah. not very confident. She is not sure of herself. And so when you're a female leader and you're asking it sounds like you're asking a question about sales figures. We have to get those sales figures up. Do we or not? Right. Then that can be difficult. And also, it can come off as a little passive aggressive too. Sometimes. I, well, you know, it's more, I think, you know, women need to step in their power, really yeah. claim that. And they can do that through their voice and their language. The other thing that there's so many things. Oh, Todd, you just opened up a whole can of worms here. But <laughs> one of the things is also how we stand, our posture, how we ground ourselves. And what I've seen are a lot of times there are females who will cross their legs into kind of a pretzel, mm. which is a closed off. And, and when you look at it, you don't think, wow, they are, they're grounded, they're solid. So you see this in photos, that's fine. But when they're presenting, plant your feet, okay. plant your feet. Yeah. The other things that you know, are happening in our culture right now. A lot of us learn our language from media. Celebrities are not the best at helping us with that. Yeah. When I hear talent doing interviews, a lot of them now will start out a sentence. I mean, well, oh. I mean is, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean is not meant to start out a sentence unless you're trying to clarify something. Yeah, like you, you're saying it, so you mean it. That's right. right. Uh, tell me about the movie. I mean, well, what did you say before? Did I miss something? What happened? So that kind of thing. Just be careful with that language. Also with grammar. My mom was an English teacher, so of course, mm. we were really helped along with grammar. And even putting yourself in, in an order. So you say, me and my friend. Well, that's not correct. Right. My friend, my friend and I went to... And I'm really serious about this because it, it makes a difference with people of different generations. And if you're going to be educated in a certain way, if you go and pay for college, you should walk out and be able to code switch. So you can say whatever you want in, yeah. with your friends. But when you're doing uh, something like a job interview or you're working in a professional setting, think about your grammar. 
because it reflects on you whether you know it or not. And you can say, well, I don't care what they think. Well, that's fine, but there are consequences to that. There are consequences to it. Now, is that a specific these days Gen Z, um, younger millennial issue, or is that something that you know older generations did as well? Um, or, or you know what I'm saying? Is that a really specific now problem? Is just being far I've just casual? I've heard it. I've heard it a yeah. lot. I hear it in the language. One thing that is generation to generation. Well, not so much really. Last thirty years, I would say forty years would be the ums. And these, what they're called verbal segregates. Yeah. So people, you don't have them at all, Todd, because you're a professional communicator, right? That's right. So Thank you've you. been able to pull those right out of your, your lexicon. But people will not like the pause. They don't want the silence. So they will use a verbal segregate, like an um or an uh. So women tend to use um more than men, and men tend to use uh more than women. But they will insert that in the sentence. And it drives me insane, especially when I hear professional journalists do it. Oh. And it's usually, you know, they're interviewing somebody and you think, my gosh, get some training. You just said, um, 37 times. Yeah. That's a lot of times, right? A couple times. And it's easy to get rid of, by the way. Yeah. It's very easy to get rid of. There was a program director. I used to do radio in San Diego. And the program director if you were speaking to him, just, you know, you're not on air. You're just in the office. If you, he would repeat back to you every time you did like an, uh, or an, yes. um, he yes. would sit and interrupt you. It would drive yes. people absolutely bonkers. But yes. again, you want to be on air. You want to speak on air and not yes. drive everybody nuts. that's listening to you. Get and that's exactly how you fix the problem. You fix it in your daily life because once you're on the air, nerves happen and other things go wacky in your brain and you revert to whatever is most basic or natural to you. And if you are communicating in your, your real world with ums, then that will come back to haunt you in your professional world as well. You know, it's funny. This is, it reminds me and I can't, I don't remember who said the quote originally, but it was saying that like, 80% of understanding a task or a job is understanding the vocabulary of it, right? Like, if, if you look at, like, finance, right? The people who are in finance, obviously, yes. they understand numbers, but they speak the language of finance yes. that is foreign to people who are not in finance, yes. which kind of gate keeps them out of it, right? Absolutely. Well, yes. <laughs> and, right. And I it's agree. Well, and it's almost like the same way when it comes to communications, you know, having correct posture, having correct body language, uh, not saying um or ah, uh, will get you 10 times further in life learning those basic skills than almost mastery of what you're trying to be hired for. That's right. But people don't think of that. They don't think of this as something that's going to advance them. They think of learning, getting a Series 7 or learning about finance is going to advance them. But really being able to communicate effectively, clearly, and efficiently hmm. will be very, very helpful yeah. for their career. Because you know why, Todd? Because nobody wants to get up and talk. But if you're <laughs> willing to get up and talk and you can do it well, you get the raise, you get the promotion, you yeah. get the job offer. Yeah, because yeah, they don't have to now, right? They don't have Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've been in meetings with people. I'm not going to name names. Where they have, oh, please. Please they have sat and spoke for 40 minutes and I've been able to take nothing from what they just said to me, either because they didn't present a clear message, they 
contradicted themselves multiple times. They tried, you know, tried way too many appeals to different things. And mm-hmm. again, you're talking about, you know, succinct, direct communication um, could have been a five minute conversation instead of That's 40 right. minutes of me walking out confused. Uh, what was like, I used to have a guy I wrote radio ads for and he would go, OK, Todd, I've got this client and now. This ad it needs to be really hot, but it's got to be cool too. You know what I'm saying? It's got to be, it's got to be long, but you got to get to the point. You know what I'm saying? And you go, no, I have no idea what you're telling me. You know, um, I know we're coming up against the end of the show. This has been really quick and great, uh, but you're also a uh, body language expert. So again, we were just talking about different communications issues that people have. Uh, what are some myths of body language that people have? Because, you know, they often say, well, if a girl is leaning into you, then she likes you. Or if someone scratches their nose when they're talking, they're lying. Or what are some ones that people are wrong about? Well, I think one of the, the myths is that women and men, I'm talking about cis men, cis women, hmm. communicate the same way non-verbally culturally in Western world. This is a myth. For example, if a meeting's happening and you have some females and males and you're giving your presentation and you see the women are nodding their head Mm -hmm. and the men are nodding their head, they could mean different things with that nod. The women are nodding to show that they're listening and the men are showing there's a agreement. Oh, okay. Wow. Totally different. So that becomes very problematic because you could be with your, your wife and you're packing up the car on a Saturday morning, ready to head out to your parents' house. And your wife is like, what are we doing? It's like, well, honey, we talked about it last night that uh, we were going to go see my mom and dad today. And she's like, I never agreed to that. And he doesn't know what just happened. Right. But what happened was she was nodding the night before. Yeah. And he took that as affirmation right. that you were going to see their parents. I was going to see our parents today. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah it, 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 was, it, it was, I hear you. And, yes. and sometimes oh, and, and, I hear yeah. you means I heard that, but I'm not yeah. going to have so any part of that. So you have to be very careful with that. And also with uh, when men are listening they tend to stay very still like a dog <laughs> <laughs> women want the man to move or do something and she might say honey are you listening to me 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 yes he's listening to you he's <laughs> listening to you and you know this because he's very still so don't uh, get mad at him <laughs> he's actually listening to you oh wow I, I'm just thinking of the, the couple times when my wife, I'm like, oh, you said you're going to, I never said that. Oh, you said yeah. that. Yeah, and, it could yeah. be a nonverbal for sure. Yeah. There, and there are other things with uh, communication uh, that will drive you bonkers. But look, men, by the time they open their mouth, they've already made the decision on something. But women will go and canvas the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. You know, every, every, every single person to get an opinion Right. So when he opens his mouth and she gives her opinion, he's like, I've already made my opinion. And now she feels ignored. Right. He's like, when, yeah, we're not talking this out anymore. We're that's done with right. That. Yeah. He's, he's done. He's already made a decision. Yeah. My, so my, that, that can be very confusing. My wife has an interesting thing where 
Her immediate reaction to anything is an overreaction and a negative reaction. But I know that in 10 minutes, she thinks that she thinks about it. And then she comes back. She goes, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'll be like, I'm going I'm to go golf on Saturday at 10 a.m. with, you know, Willie or whatever. And she'll go, oh, God, we've got so much stuff to do around the house. There's vacuuming to be done. And, and then five minutes later, oh, if you want to golf, go golf. That's why, yeah, what did, How did you how did you tell her or how did you broach a subject that you were going to go golfing? What is an example of that? Uh, I'll say, hey, babe, uh, if, if I can, uh, you know, Saturday, blah, 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 wants to go golf. Uh, can I go golf? Do we have time for that? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's the appropriate thing. You ask a question. Yes. So I don't know psychologically what's happening. Maybe she hates you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or most likely childhood drama. I don't know. But that is the appropriate way to do it. Just as you know, you always want to ask uh, a female the question. You never make a demand. You can make a demand of typically you can make a demand of males. You can say, could you, you know, it would be pick that paper up to a man right. and he's fine with that. But you would never say that to a woman. You would say, would oh, you no. mind? Could you please? Is it possible? I know you're super, super busy. Look, you know, I, oh, gosh, you have so much on your plate right now. But I'm wondering if you could. Oh, I'm not even going to ask you to do this because that's ridiculous. Well, but if you have time, could you please pick that paper up? That's how you do it. And, and the longer you hedge and, you know, hem and haw before it, <laughs> the greater your chances of success is what you're saying? Well, you know, it, and well, you can also touch her gently on the forearm just very quickly. And that's a, a compliance action. And she'd be more likely to comply. So next time you ask to go golfing, touch her very, very quickly, tap her on the forearm, and she will say yes. Ah, I love it. You can also raise your eyebrows. Just raise your eyes like this, very innocent. That shows innocence and likability and nothing to hide here. Just want to have fun, fun with my friend, yeah. all of that. So just act like my dog is what you're saying. Like, act like your dog. That's, exa that is exa that's, how I, that's how I characterize all you. Like men are like, we're like dogs and that's fine. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Like treats, you love the treats, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Steve it's, Steve, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, and there's so much more to get to. I'd love to have you come back sometime in the future. Um, can you tell us what's going on right now with Lexicon, your uh, boutique PR agency, and um, what, what are you looking forward to getting into uh, throughout the end of this year? Well, I'm looking forward to the strikes to be over. Oh, yeah, geez. Yes, we've got uh, two strikes happening, the Writers Guild of America strike and the Screen Editors Guild after strike which has pretty much decimated the entertainment oh. industry because we need, we need to, we, we need clients yeah. and the actors do the work. We tell the story about their work. If the actors aren't working, there's no story to tell. Yeah. So it's, it's really tough right now for PR firms, especially the small boutique firms. All the clients are gone. All the yeah. acting clients are gone and all the writing clients are gone. The bigger agencies, are more diversified and more mm. global and might have other kinds of things going on. But for the smaller agencies, it's a very, very tough time. Mm. That's Aren't you tough. glad you asked, Todd? Isn't that great? Isn't oh. it a way oh. to bring a, bring a show to a close? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, well. yeah. And, you know, and it's just like we just got through COVID and all that. Yes, and now exactly. here's another yeah. kick in the teeth. It's really, it's really tough. We were so, we were just coming back, but look, you know, I'm a union guy. 
I'm a member of the Publicist Guild. I would never cross a picket line. I understand their grievances. And it's just about timing right now. And yeah. hopefully people will – WGA is coming back to the table. Hopefully Screen Actors Guild will come back to the table as well. And we can all get back to work and create more content for That's everyone. Right. Well, great. Steve, where is the best place for people to follow you? They can follow me on Instagram, which is real Steve Rohr. That's real R E A L Steve. Got that? Roar is R O H, like hotel R. All right. Real Steve Roar. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Steve, and uh, thanks for the specifics. On well, Todd, show. I appreciate it. It's, it's been really fun. You're you're a great conversationalist. Well, thank you. Very easy to talk to. Thank you so much. Thank you. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.